and uh, I want to honor your time this morning, and uh, we're going to continue our series on being good stewards, stewardship. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 4, I'll just very for a few moments review and then we'll jump right in. Uh, I have a, quite a bit of scripture for you today, and uh, we're going to be continuing our series on stewardship. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 4, notice what Paul says, the Apostle Paul speaking to uh, the, the church of Corinth and speaking to you and I today, he says this, this is how one should regard us. He says as, as leaders, spiritual leaders, as followers of Christ. Notice this, he says as a servant of Christ, and that applies to all of us. He says that, he says we're servants, but also we're stewards. Um, he says this is how we should regard ourselves as servants of Christ. Now notice, and as stewards of the mysteries of God, he goes on to say, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. That's what God wants from us, is to be a faithful steward of the things he's invested into us. Now he says this, but with me, he says, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. He says, you're not my judge, you know, and I'm not your judge. But hold on, notice what he says. He says, in fact, I don't even judge myself. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, he says, but I am not thereby acquitted. Notice what he says. This is the key. He says, it's the Lord who judges me. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for uh, this privilege that we have to open up the scriptures and to learn about how we are to be conducting our lives and living our lives, especially as followers of Christ and those that have been blessed with the, with the scriptures. We thank you for your word and how it gives us clear instruction, Lord, on how to live this life. And so I pray that we would not just hear the word, but that we would apply it, that we would put it to practice in our lives. I am so thankful, Lord, that you are with us in everything, in all that we do and everywhere that we go. There is never a moment, Lord, that you are not with us. And we, we are so thankful for that. And we just give you the praise, the honor, and glory for what you will do as you are here in our midst today. Lord, may we be sensitive, Lord, to your word and to what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we review just a couple things about this, really, I, I'm going to keep the review brief and jump right in because there's a lot I want to cover here. But the first and most important principle that you have to, in truth and reality, you have to come to grips with when it comes to stewarding our lives or stewardship, or the word is managing or manager, and managing our lives is this, is that God owns everything. Everything that we have is, all, is, is from him. It's, it's his. Does that make sense? That it is not your life, it's his life. It's not your breath, it's his breath in you. It's not... Uh, your body, it's his body. It's not your money, it's his money. You know, just fill in the blank. It's not yours, it's his. Everything that we have, the, James says it like this, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Everything that we have, every good thing we have was from him. And by the way, it's not just from him, it is his. It's not mine. You know, we have this mentality that it's mine, mine, mine. It's my body, my life, you know, uh, my choice, you know, all of these things. No, no, no. That's a lie from the enemy. That's, that's the, the, the world's lie that is being propagated. So I want you to understand it's not yours. It's whose? It's his. 
It's God's. He has entrusted it to us. But we are not the owners. You see, understand it's all about lordship. Who is Lord in our lives? We have this idea that, that money, that money in my life, that I am the Lord of the money in my life. No, can I tell you something? As quickly as it came, it can go. Even getting to know people in this church in the last year, year and a half, hearing stories and hearing different individuals who have come to me and, you know, through discussion and after sermons and saying, hey, I can remember a time in my life where I had pretty much had it made and God took everything away in a matter of just months. God took everything away from me. And I've come to that reality that as quickly as it comes, it can go. Listen to me, your health, I'm telling you, listen to me, your health is a gift from God. And, and you think that you have it and you think that you're in control of it. But can I tell you something? You can go in for one screening, one test, and all of that can change. Right now, I'm praying for my niece. I just got a text yesterday. My niece, who's 31 years old, has brain cancer. She is healthy and she was fit and she's smart. She graduated from Penn State University. She's an engineer and she is intelligent and smart. She actually is my niece through marriage. She married my, my nephew who also went to Penn State, both engineers, both working in great jobs, great lives, both physically fit, both in the gym. They have their own little like blogs and their own little, you know, like uh, health and, and, and awareness and training and fitness. And both, if you were to look at them, you'd say they are a perfect picture of health. They're like the power couple, you know. And all of a sudden, within days, weeks, months, her mind is going and forgetting things and not even knowing which room she's in. And very long story short, now we're coming to the reality of she's on treatment for brain cancer. You see, we think that, that, this, that, that, that we have the rest of our lives and it's, you know, listen, it, it, it will humble you very quickly. Are you with me this morning? my money. No, it's, it's his. We must be reminded, as Paul said in Corinthians here, that, that we will give an account, he says. We will stand before the Lord and give an account of how we used what God entrusted to us. What we have and been blessed with by God will someday be accounted for. We stand before the Lord and he'll say, how did you use what I've entrusted to you? We're not going to look at it again this week, maybe next week. In Matthew 25, he gives the parable of the talents and how he gives out and distributes and the, the master leaves and when he comes back, he says, okay, how did you use what I've entrusted to you? And so we've talked about using our time wisely, Amen. We talked about being a good steward of your time, being a good steward of your temple, your body. Last week, we spoke about stewarding your talents and your gifts, your abilities and your spiritual gifts and, and taking them and using them, obviously, most importantly, to serve others. But as we use our gifts, talents, abilities to serve others, it's to bring glory to God, to draw all the people to Christ. Let me pause for a moment. Vacation Bible school meeting. Maybe you have ability to work with youth or kids. Maybe you don't, but you can make snacks for kids. 
Maybe you want nothing to do with kids, but you can make some Rice Krispie treats because this kid likes Rice Krispie treats. And every kid likes Rice Krispie treats. Please tell me Rice Krispie treats is on the menu. I just made executive decision. Rice Krispie treats are on the menu. I love Rice Krispie treats. Yeah, well, Rice Krispie treats. Make them hyper, bounce, make them bounce off the walls. Maybe you can make cookies, Rice Krispie treats. But you can use a gift, a talent, your time to invest in someone else. By the way, when we had baptisms two Sundays ago, one of the precious little girls that came and were baptized, guess what? She came to Vacation Bible School. And while at Vacation Bible School, she heard that God loves her and that Jesus came and died for her and she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. Amen? That's why we use our gifts, talents, and abilities. That's why God desires for you to use whatever spiritual gift or gift or talent and ability to serve others. And now I want to take a few moments today and talk about treasure. I want to talk about our treasures. And I want to say the word treasures, plural, because God has blessed us with different types of treasures or treasure. Immediately right now, many of you are going, all right, here he goes. This is what we've been waiting for. He's going to preach on money. And finally, Pastor Joe is going to preach on money. Eh, wrong. Maybe next week. We'll see. We're going to preach on treasures, though. Managing the treasures that God has blessed us with. Immediately when we think of treasures, immediately people talk about money and finances. But can I tell you something? We have far greater treasures that God has blessed us with than just money. The greatest treasure or gift that you could ever have is that of relationship. And I'm going to keep this broad, but family. Family can fall into many different forms. A husband, a wife, marriage, family, you know, parents and children. I will tell you this, that the greatest treasure I have in my life, and I don't say it enough, is my wife. She's been the greatest gift other than salvation. And here on earth, the greatest gift that God has given me is my wife. God has blessed me with treasures. Some would say, you must have a pretty big house. No, I actually live in student housing, believe it or not. (laughs) I live in a townhouse amongst college students. That's where I live. But I'm the richest man in Cedar City. Because I am blessed with a wonderful wife. I've been blessed with precious kids. I've been blessed to be able to pastor the best church in the state of Utah. Amen. Amen. A church filled with people who, who love. I am blessed that my daughter found a young man at this church named Sam, and Sam puts up with me. (laughs) And they're going to be getting married here shortly. And I'm so excited for them. Sam, you're a blessing and a gift to our family. You really are. And I watch my little boy 
want to take him on a long drive because he likes to go for drives and he knows every street in Cedar City. And he knows where every left-hand turn when yielding and all this stuff. And go down Cove Drive and 300 North and turn off here. And after he tells me every street he wants to go on, I'll come home. And we'll see that Sam's truck's there. I'll say, let's go in and see. He calls Adriana Audie. Let's go see Audie and Sam. You say, Audie and Sam. But he calls him Sham. Audie and Sham. <laughs> Goes running in there. May I say to you, some of you are wealthy people, but you have, you have lost your perspective on what true wealth really is. Relationships, family, friendship, marriage, your children, these are precious gifts. Let me give you just some very quick scripture. Psalm 127, 3 through 5, notice he says this. God says this, children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed, he says, or happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they, when they contend with their opponents in court. He says that children are a blessing, that they're favor from God. They're a treasure from God. May I remind you of something that long before there was ever even the first dollar bill printed and the first coin that God established in the Garden of Eden, the greatest treasure, and that is this, that he created man and woman, husband and wife, and we see there that God established and created relationship. He created marriage. And in that union, he created home and he created a family. And there's nothing more valuable here on planet Earth than the relationships that we have with one another. Would someone say amen there? Far more important than money. Far more important than things and stuff relationships. And God, long before we ever hear anything mentioned in the scriptures about money or finances, we see that God established the home. He established the marriage. He established family. And that is a place where we have an opportunity to love one another. And that is the most important thing. That is more important than anything else. Many a times my wife, and it's true, my wife and I have said this, we don't care where we live. We don't care what we're living in as long as we're together. If we're in a tent and we're together, then thank God we're blessed. God said that children are a gift from God. They're a blessing in their favor. Marriage is a blessing from God. Look at Proverbs 12, 4. He says, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. I have a big old crown, let me tell you. But a disgraceful wife is like a decay in his bones. You see how important the Bible says that having that a wife of noble character is a treasure. It's a beautiful crown. Proverbs 18, 22. Look what he says. He who finds a wife, uh, he says, he says, he who finds a wife finds what is good. And notice this, receives favor from the Lord. Man, may I say this? If you are married or about to be married, one of the greatest treasures and greatest gifts that God will give you here on planet Earth is 
that wife. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, I can't go there and read the whole chapter. Can I just give you a, a, a flyover? But in Ephesians 5, Paul says this. He says this. He talks about the, the church and Christ's love for the church and the home and the family. And he says in Ephesians 5, he says this. He says, hey, husbands, love your wives the way that Christ loves the church and loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? He then goes into this, uh, he goes into this statement that he says that he, he died for the church. He gave his life for the church. That he shed his blood for the church. And he says that, that he nourishes the church and he cherishes the church. And, and that he, he, everything is about the church. Men, may I say this? Here on planet earth, nothing is more important than our wives. You have God first and foremost and seek him first, but nothing should be more important than our wives. Amen. The reason why it's oftentimes quiet, man, is because our jobs and our careers and our play and all the things that we want to do are more important than our wives. God help us. That's why many of homes are falling apart. We have not made our wives and our homes a priority. We have not been good managers and good stewards of our homes. Come on now. Oh, Pastor Joe, please start preaching on money, please. <laughs> please. Oh no, hang on, buckle up, because we're just getting started. See, I thought if I did this first, and when it came to money, you're like, oh, this is easy. It's easy. I can fix that. <laughs> Love your wives the way that Christ loved the church. So many times people say, well, I die for my wife. Pause for a moment. Why don't you just start living for her first? Can't die for something or someone that you're not even willing to live for. Mm. Ephesians chapter 6. Hey, kids, hang on. Here we go. Mom and dad, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Not only are you to obey them, but you're to honor them. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So that it may go well, here's the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but instead bring them up in the training, in the instruction of the Lord. You see, the Bible teaches here, Paul goes from Ephesians 5 and the marriage and and how the importance of all of that and the husband and wife. But then he talks about the family structure, talks about relationships, and all of us have a role. The Bible says as well that the wife is to have reverence and respect for her husband. The husband is to love the wife, and that the children are to obey and honor their parents. And many a times, understand this for some of you that are youth and some of you that are teenagers, and in your teenage years, many a times you're going to listen to your friends You'll give your friends more honor, more respect than you will your own parents. And can I tell you something? You are on a very, very dangerous road. You better watch out. By the way, most of those friends, they will not be here two or three years from now. But your parents most likely will be there for you. 
The Bible says that children are to honor and obey their parents, but yet the Bible then tells us clearly as fathers, as parents, it is my responsibility to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He even goes a little farther and he says, don't exhaust them, don't exasperate them. And as parents, this is a tough thing that yes, as being a parent, we have to manage and steward our children. Are you with me this morning? That's a huge responsibility. By the way, I commend many of you, as you are here, many of you together with your kids. Because you are trying to do what the scripture says here. By the way, that is not only something you do on Sunday morning. It is something you do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday and Friday and Saturday. He says, don't exasperate them. Like I said, this is just a quick flyover. But sometimes we exasperate our kids and our youth and our children by having expectations that are beyond their abilities. You can exasperate them and you you can have all of these standards that are way beyond what they're even capable of. And that can be exhausting. (laughs) My dad was a military guy. And I remember when we were little, I mean, it would be 5, 6 a.m. I'm like 7 or 8 years old. Get up, get up, let's go, let's go. Move it, move it, move it. He'd come in where the bed's made and he'd flip a coin. When this one, we were, you're like, holy cow, man. Yeah, oh yeah, my kids thought I was rough. He would take it, show us I could use a hanger. He eventually mellowed out. It took him a while. But he'd even have a hanger and get the wrinkles out, you know, and, and it was like, I'm just six. I really don't care about a messy bed. You know, like, I'm six. He would buy, he would get up the, you know, I'm talking six, seven years old. The day is half over. I'm like, you didn't pass math class, Dad. It's like 7 a.m. Move it, let's go, you know. But sometimes we can have unrealistic expectations and we can drive our kids crazy. Come on now. But at the same time, our kids can drive us nuts, can't they? (laughs) But the Bible says for the young people to honor their parents and to obey their parents. Colossians 3, Paul says to the other church in Colossae, he says this. Colossians 3, he says, wives, there's a role there to submit yourselves to your husbands. That is this fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. See, through the scripture here, the Bible is very clear. There's a lot here about managing our relationships, and primarily in the home, in the family. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. He says this, Hear, O Israel. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Notice this. Talk to them when you sit at home and you, when you walk along the road or when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. 
He gives this instruction. He says, listen, that this is what I believe it really means is this, that we should be an example, that we should be mentoring and modeling a walk with God and truly knowing God. That it's not just something that you just sit down and you, you like lecture your child on, but it's the way we live our lives. If you look what Paul's saying, he's saying the husbands love your wives the way Christ loved the church and wives be in submission to your husbands and children be in obedience to your parents. But this is all stuff that we're living out every day. Here he says in the Old Testament, God says, listen, you should teach it to them when they get up and when they sit down and when you're going for a walk. Do you understand what I truly believe is this? Is this where we've lost it in Christianity? And why many Christian homes are losing their kids to the world is because this. It's only something we do on Sunday. But can I tell you something? Walking with God is something that we do. It's just who we are. Amen? That when we sit, whether it's praying, and it's not just saying a prayer at a meal, but it's our conversation, the things that we say, life, things that come up, and we, we talk about it, and we communicate about it, and we, events happen in our life, and we use it as a teaching moment. So that means this, is that we, uh, can I say this, a walk with God is caught, it's not taught. You know why many people are losing their kids that are trying to teach it? They're trying to teach a walk with God. May I say something to you? They need to catch it. And by the way, you cannot pass down something you do not have. And if you truly don't really have a genuine, authentic, real walk with God, can I tell you something? Your kids are not going to pick it up. And may I just say something? One thing that really will embitter your kids is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. One thing you'll find out if you get to know me, what you see is what you get. What I am right here is what I am during the week. Do you know that? Is that right? You, my wrestling team knows it. They see it. My poor family, they see it. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you one thing. I don't put on. I don't play church. I don't play Christian I don't play God, I'll tell you, God help us. We need some real, real Christians who aren't just phonies and play church. One thing on Sunday and another thing on Monday. Well, pretty much what you see is what you get. And you may not like it, but what you see is what you get. We need some more of that. We need some real, amen, some real Christianity like that. Not this fake, not this phony stuff. And that's how we're going to lose our kids. We lose our kids if what we are on Sunday is not who we are on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Come on now, please. If you want to watch the Super Bowl, please tell me say amen. Because <laughs> it's true. Very quickly, 1 Timothy 5.8. 1 Timothy 5.8. Anyone who does not provide for their own relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith is worse than an unbeliever. Do you see how we must be managing and stewarding our homes, our families, our relationships? 1 Timothy 3, 4, it's primarily written to the pastor. He says this, look at these words for the pastor, those in leadership. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. Man, that's a challenge. But I do like it says this, he must manage them well. It doesn't say they have to be perfect. All right? 
My kids are not perfect. I am not perfect. I do not have the perfect home, perfect family. do not have the perfect marriage. I will not try to, to pretend or say anything otherwise. But we do, we do try to do our best to manage it well. Are we managing our families well? Are you stewarding your marriage? Are you stewarding and managing your kids? Do you spend more time worried about your retirement, spend more time managing and spending more time looking at the 401k than you do investing in the spiritual lives of your children? As I said, I want to keep this broad, but what about our friendships? Let me give you a few scripture on friendships. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, amen? A brother's born for a time of adversity. I would say everyone in this room will fit into this category somewhere when it comes to managing your treasure of, of relationships. Whether you're a child, whether you're a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, or have a friend, These are all treasures from God. The Bible says a friend loves at all times. And they're there. There's that brother that's there through adversity. Proverbs 18, 24, the Bible says this. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, oftentimes many people say, well, I want lots of friends. Can I say, if you have even one Genuine friend, let's say outside of your marriage or outside of your family relationship. If you have one true, genuine, legitimate friend, you are blessed and you should thank God. They're hard to come by. Can I have some liberty to speak for a moment and speak frankly? Can you guys handle it? My best friend is my wife. Do I have other friends? Yeah. My best friend is my wife. I would hope that she would say her best friend is me. If you are a married man, oh, this is going to be hard. You ready for it? and your best friend is not your wife, then you need to start managing and stewarding your marriage. I'm saying that as lovingly and as kindly as I can, but if you think that you have to run off and find someone else to be your bestie, you have missed it. You've missed it. You've missed it. If you're married and your husband... Ladies, your husband is not your best friend and you're looking around for a million other friends to be your besties. You have missed it. And you listen to me. You are wasting your time in the wrong place because your best friend here on planet Earth should be your husband or should be your wife. And I am preaching this because this is what we need to hear. I've watched so many couples oftentimes, and I'm not saying it's wrong to have other families and other couples and hang out. That's healthy. That's good. But I have watched many a times where the relationships are not right between the husband and wife. And when they always have to have other people around to have a good time and you can't have a good time with just you and your wife, your marriage is in trouble. 
you're in trouble. You need to start managing it. Do you know how many times, listen to me, I've been pastoring now, well, 20, going 25 years or something like that. It's crazy. Do you know how many times, there's even times where I watch couples get super, super, super close, like super, super close, and I go, uh-oh, this does not look healthy. And before long, those stuff happening, hanky-panky stuff going on. Oh, no, it happens. If you have to have other people around in order for you to get along and have a good time, you need to start managing your home, managing your marriage, managing it. Amen, Pastor Joe. You can't wait for the preaching on money, can you? (laughs) You just can't. You are just buying your time. You're just buying your time. Please preach on money, Pastor Joe, please. Young people, if you think that your friends are more important in your life than your parents, you are believing a lie from the enemy, and you need to be stewarding and managing and listening to your parents and loving them and honoring them so that you will have a good life and a long life. Amen? But you'll run off to your little friends and ask your little friends what you should do and how you should act, and their life's a train wreck, and somehow they're going to help keep you from being a train wreck. Oh, Lord. Proverbs 27, Proverbs 27, 9 says this. This is what I'm doing today. You ready? The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as a perfume and incense. Sometimes in managing your friendships, you have to speak and counsel and advise. And even sometimes the Bible talks about that sometimes it, we have to, faithful are the wounds of a friend, Proverbs says. Have you, have you ever heard that verse? He says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Part of what I'm doing today is I'm kind of calling us out as husbands, men, fathers, husbands, wives, children, calling us all out on stewarding and managing our relationships, wherever that fits for you in your life. Because the Bible says that that, that heartfelt counsel from a friend, man, that's, that's a blessing. Are you with me this morning? Proverbs 27 Verse 17, he says this, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Do you understand that part of what I'm doing today is I'm trying to be your friend, and I'm that iron. Iron sharpens iron. By the way, that means that there's going to be some friction. Anytime you've got to sharpen something, there's going to be some friction. Are you with me? There's got to be some friction. Iron, when you're using iron to sharpen iron, there's friction there. And maybe even today, I'll be honest, maybe today on a message like this that's kind of strong, maybe there's a little friction there. But can I say this? It's not to harm you, it's not to hurt you, but it's to help you. Amen? It's iron sharpening iron. I'm basically finished, but let me remind you of one other blessing and treasure you have in relationship, and that is this, the church body. I'm not going to go into scripture and speak a lot about this, but simply this, is that within the church body, we can find love, we can find encouragement, we can find edification, like today, possibly accountability, where we will hold one another accountable. And that this church body, that brothers and sisters in Christ, that God brings into our lives, that they are also treasures that God has here for us. That in our moments of need and our times of distress, that we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are there to help bear one another's burdens. Amen. 
When your family is sick and someone from the church brings a meal, what a blessing that is. When you're going through heartache and difficulty and you know that you have a church family, that's a treasure. It's a gift from God that says, I'm praying for you. How can we pray for you? How can we help you? How can we be there for you? When someone in a church needs something lifted and moved, a group of guys load up and we go and move it. Amen, brother? Amen. Amen. We moved the 600-pound wood stove this week. I did all the work, but anyway. (laughs) Anthony said he was helping, but I didn't believe it. But when we need help, our brothers and sisters are there for us. Amen. Do not forget that this body this church body, that it's a treasure from God. Manage it well. Steward it well. Your home, your family, your marriage is a treasure from God. Manage it well. Steward it well. Amen? Your friendships and relationships and the people that God has placed into your life, like David and Jonathan, where Jonathan said of David that he loved David more than his own soul. Where Jonathan literally gave his life and risked his life. And his own father, Saul, nearly killed Jonathan numerous times in his loyalty and his friendship to David. I think some of the most prized, treasured words in the scriptures is found in John 15, 15. I didn't even put it up there. But it says this. The words of Jesus Christ. He said, I do not call you my servants. He says... I have shared everything with you. Everything that the Father has shared with me, I've shared with you. Listen to the words of Jesus. He said this. He said, I call you my friends. I call you my friends. Let me remind you of something. Whatever you're going through, can I remind you there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know who that friend is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That no matter what you're going through, no matter what struggle you have, you have the greatest friend in the Lord Jesus Christ. And oftentimes what we're trying to do is we're going to everywhere else to find that friendship and that validation. But can I tell you something? The best place and the first place you should go is to Lord Jesus Christ. Because he said this, no greater love than this. If you have it, can you say it with me if you know it? No greater love than this than a what? Man lay down his life for his friends. Did not Jesus Christ lay down his life for you? You have no greater friend than the Lord Jesus Christ. I would encourage you that that would be the one friendship that you should be managing and stewarding to the fullest and to the greatest. Amen? Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your might. I would encourage you to make sure you are stewarding that relationship first and foremost. Before you, have, before you make time to go try to make time for friends, make time for your best friend, the one who shed his blood and died on the cross for our sins. Amen? The one who laid down his life for you. He is the greatest friend you will ever, ever have. He's the only friend you'll ever need. Amen? No greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said this, I call you my Friends, how precious that is. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Lord, we